hey, strangers, I could not come up with a descriptive term for you. No so adjectives just, for me? No adjectives today. No I just, alliteration? No. What's up, slippery strangers? Uh, I think you've used that one. Okay. I'm going to have to start it's looking this up news. before I come here. But hey, <laughs> hey, strangers. And quickly, if you don't want to sit through this, hit pause, check the show notes. Timestamp of the topic start is posted there. Okay, carry on. Also, if you don't want to listen to the podcast, why just are you listening? Stop it. Yeah. yeah, just stop it. Move on to a, move on to a better one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But hey, strangers, thank you so much for tuning in again. It is as always, Kurt down in the strange cellar, and sitting across from me, bathed in light, is it's actually kind of dark. <laughs> there is one light behind you on oh, the other okay. wall. Is the beautiful Krista. Ah, <laughs> thank hey, you, Krista. Hi. How is life? We're gonna uh, let's skip weather talk even yeah. after the crazy storm that we had oh last my gosh. Yeah. last Thursday. We where didn't get I, hit like you did. I but... literally thought my roof was gonna blow off. That's I was crazy. sitting in my kitchen eating sushi because it was five dollar sushi Wednesday at or Thursday. I was left from the day before at a festival has it. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there and looking out the window, and then all of a sudden I see all the trees bend sideways, <gasps> and I'm like, "Ooh, That's this is freaky. not good." <laughs> but yeah, it was bad. But can you see that, the lake? Yeah, you can from no, your window. Oh no, no, because okay. there's trees, okay. and I like across from me is west of the lake gardens, oh, okay. so you can't really see the lake, but I can hear the lake yeah. from my window. But anyway, we got to jump right in because yeah, we, have we have a lot so for many the things to talk about. 20. So Ooh. shout outs to our newest strangers. And those are Melissa Rondas, Jessica Mary, and the awesomely named Ashley De Laurentiis. Oh, nice. I know. That's a really cool name. She very lives Italian. In the, she lives in the UK. So super jealous because I love the UK. So thank you guys so much for joining the strangers. And that's it for shout outs. Do you have any shout outs? Uh... Yeah, let's do, uh, I'll give a shout out to Work Kurt, as I call him. Hey, Work Kurt. Um, he g- sent us these cute little cryptid playing cards, and I said that I would take one out per episode. We'll do like a little reveal. I'm going to, okay. I'm going to like shuffle them a little. So they're like trading cards. Yeah, they... I guess they're trading cards. Okay. I'm glad I brought my glasses. Okay. I'm just picking them. MetaZoo is the name of the. MetaZoo? Yeah. Name of the cards, I guess. Um, so what did I pick? My it's cool that there's a cryptid. Totally on. Um, well, this is not a, this is like. It almost looks like Magic of the Gathering. Yeah, it is because this is not a cryptid. Oh. It's a, this is like totally like Magic the Gathering. Yeah, that's like a land. Pyrokinetic a Blast. That's totally like a spell. Yeah, it is. Deal 25 damage to target BC. I want to see, see those because yeah. I used to love Magic the Gathering. So maybe not all of them has a cryptid on it. I'm confused by that. Oh, this one does. What okay. Is it? This cryptid is the snow wasset. I've never heard of this. Let me see. The writing is so tiny. I don't think I'm gonna be able to read that. That's so cool. Isn't it cute? Let me see let me see those when Here, do you want the one that's open or unopened? I want the one that's open because okay. I want to see them. Yeah, I can't even read this. Sorry. I'm guessing it's just like game text that says if this blocks such and such creature. So he has insatiable in its hunger. This ferocious beastie (laughs) eats its fill and then hibernates. Okay. That looks cool. Like I want to, I might actually take those with me and check this out because this looks like something that would be right up my alley. I have never played Magic the Gathering. It's never played Dungeons and Dragons. But it is a money sink like you would not believe. I'm sure. Okay, should we read this postcard? Yes. from I love this postcard. Kurt sent me a picture of it, and it is like, it's so pretty, actually. I love the um, illustration. 
It's Mothman, November 15th, 1966. Point Pleasant. Uh, Let's see. Hi, Kurt and Krista. I picked up this postcard when I went to Point Pleasant, Point Pleasant, West Virginia to do research for my treasure hunt and hide a token. It is a fun place to visit. I like seeing the munitions bunkers where Mm -hmm. Mothman has been said to hide. Creepy, and then she crossed it out. Strange, smiley face. (laughs) I saved a postcard to send to you for when the hunt was solved. Beth. Thank you so much, Beth. I have to take a picture of this. It's I would so love cool. to visit visit Point Pleasant. Oh my gosh, so would I. We that have, should be that one should of be our trips. that should be a, a trip. We should do. We should go down there and then see what's down there, and we should. That would be amazing. We love Mothman. We do. We love Not Mothman as much as Squonky. Squonky. Squonk is our Squonk is our mascot. He's our, our mascot. Our unofficial. He just unofficial cries mascot. and cries. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also wanted to mention, I found at the bottom of the box, this is who sent Michaela. us, Michaela sent us this, and it's a box opening tool. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Michaela. <laughs> She's tired of hearing me struggle. Yes. It's cute. But Thank our, you so it much, looks, Michaela. It almost looks like a little Pac-Man. It, it's cute. Um, but we do ha- have our ceremonial dagger, but sometimes that's overkill yes. as well. So this it's is It's nice having an actual little package little opener. Backup. So I'm going to take a picture of that. Um. Okay, I have two quick stories to tell as well. I also have a story to tell. Tell yours. Okay, mine is, I I mentioned it to a couple people in The Strangers that for the longest time, I didn't have synchronicities happening. And now this last week or week and a half, it's been crazy with, especially with typing something as somebody on TV says the same word I'm Mm. typing. And there's Mm -hmm. a lot of that. But this one freaked me out because, I don't know, it was just so weird. So... Uh, two nights ago, actually, I shut off my, you know, it was like, did you up, tell me this? No. Okay. It was of course late at night for me, which so means six o'clock. Six o'clock. <laughs> so I put my phone in sleep mode. I shut it off, put it on the nightstand next to my bed. Mm-hmm. You know, it was done for the night. Yep. And I picked up a book to read and it was one of those big secrets, bigger secrets, biggest secrets. I've, I've talked about them on here by William Poundstone. Like Corey and I love those books. He's got three books and it was all about stuff. It, the, the first one was from like the 80s. So it's like stuff that we know now, like Mount Weather exists. Oh, it's, it's like, okay. You know, so it was all secretive stuff at mm-hmm. the time that people didn't really know existed. So I was reading and the chapter that I was reading was about something called a CompuCount. It was a device that they used, I think, towards the end of the 80s or 90s in casinos where you could go in and you'd have this like computer thing kind of strapped on you and you would have switches in your shoes and you would sit down and play blackjack. Oh, And you would tap it. It would it would help you count cards. Sure. And you, it would send like you didn't have a, to do it in your it head. It would send through a wire to your watch and it would tell you on your watch if the wow. count is high or low. So people were using this to count cards at blackjack. And I'm reading this, and I've read this a dozen times before. So I'm reading it, and I'm like, this is really cool. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking there's gotta be like really neat modern ways that people are doing this stuff. And I thought about picking up my phone and checking, and I'm like, nah, I'll just wait. So the next morning I wake up and I grab my phone, and one of the first things I do is go on my Google News app. And I'm I'm I open it up and like two or three stories down, it's a story about how they think someone was cheating in like a poker tournament and how they think that it went into how you can use like a USB drive inside of the shuffling machine that shuffles the cards. And it was so weird to me because I, my phone was off. I wasn't talking. No, I was just laying in bed reading 
And it's That's so weird. creepy to me that that showed up in my Google News feed. It was like the third story down mm. showing me like a modern technique for cheating at cards. When I was thinking the earlier evening, I should pick up my phone and look at modern yeah. methods of It'd cheating. be different if you had had a conversation with yeah. somebody about it. Yeah, that I would totally understand. Or if yeah. I looked it up on my phone, it right. would show up in the Google, but I totally. didn't. I was laying in bed quietly reading it. It's so random, up. too. It's so random, but it's so weird. And it's like the thing with today's side sessions, the, the true crime story that when I was researching it, it popped up in, on Reddit, and it was the picture that got me. And I'm like, ugh. So I wanted to do this one. And the early, like the latest article I found in my research was 2020. So I got it done, and the next day was when it showed up in my Google News feed that Rolling Stone just came out with a huge article about it. And then all of a sudden, it started popping up on Reddit because people saw this article. And like you and I were talking about before we started recording, it's like that crone statue yeah. that the Newkirks are going to do their next show about, like their documentary about, mm-hmm. where last year I started researching that and I have a document on my computer that I was going to use for the strange sessions, but didn't. And it's like, it's just weird that yeah. as I look into this stuff, all of a sudden it pops up. So it's just weird. And there were a lot of 11-11 synchronicities. So there were just a ton of them this week, which I don't know what it means, but mm. it's cool. Yeah, it okay, is cool. now your stories. Um, I'll tell the toad story first because it's just cute. The second one's uh, kind of weird, spooky. I don't know. Yeah. I'm still not convinced my house is haunted. But anyway, <laughs> um, so, you know, these little window wells. Yes. Um, so there's one at the bottom of the back stairs. Oh, you can actually see. I can see it from here. There's like plants growing in it. We normally keep them, well, that one's, those are pretty dirty. But anyway, there are toads that have taken up residence in that, that particular window well That's like their home. over the last few years. Yeah. And it was just like sand at first. Now there's like leaves and plants growing in there. And uh, yesterday, <laughs> I was just thinking to myself, it's so hot back here and it's so dry in there. I should put a dish of water in there. Like, I wonder what they would do. And Jim's like, they're not going to do anything with that. They're toads. And I was like, what does that have anything to do with it? I put a dish of water in there. And when I went to bed last night, I looked out and one of the little toads was sitting in the dish of water. <laughs> it was so satisfying that he, it, the it's toad like, used my yeah. dish of water. It's like a little swimming pool for them. <laughs> totally. They need a little water Yesterday source in there. It humid. Yeah. So I've named it Toadtopia because <laughs> it's like their like, own little utopia. I like Toadtopia. I'm like, what else can I put in there for them? I love it so much. Put like a little cat toy that they can push around. Play around. around. <laughs> play around with. Okay, now on to the one that's actually relevant to this podcast. So the other night, I don't remember what night it was now. I was lying in bed. I had just crawled into bed. I was done reading. I shut the light off. I had just laid down. Jim was not in the room. He was across the hall watching TV. Um, I have the door closed. I have a white noise machine going, okay? So I can't hear him at all. And I'm laying there, and all of a sudden I hear, <sighs> and I was like, what the? Like, I laid there for a second, like, is Lucy outside the door? Because she will lay outside the door with her nose right up against yeah. the crack. Yeah. And she'll, like, even sniff under the door to see if she can smell you. She was in the living room. Like, you know how far the living room is from yeah. our bedroom? I laid there for the longest time. I was so convinced there was someone in the bedroom. I got up, turned on the light, and looked under the bed. <laughs> you were super creeped out. I thought, did somebody? Because we we have a security system, but if we're if it's the weekend and we're just running to the store, I don't set it. Yeah. I only set it if we're gonna go, be gone for hours. And I thought, did somebody come into the house? 
There's nothing While creepier we were than like, the moment of looking under the bed oh or imagining somebody looking. God. Thank God Jim was right across the hall. Because if I found somebody under the bed, that would have been terrifying. Of course, there was nobody under the bed. That's just so weird. So I don't know what that was. Considering that stuff's kind of been happening a little bit know. here and there. I don't know. It really, it was a moment of like my heart was pounding. Like what was that? And it was so distinct. Yeah. So anyway, that happened. That's so weird. Would not be an appropriate time to insert that clip. Yeah, because it, it's, a, it's a weird clip. Like, I did not think that was going to show up. No, neither did I. But last episode where I, I was like, what was that? And I thought I heard a cat meow. Yeah. Uh, I, I did not think it was going to show up in the audio, but it did it show did. up in the audio. Yeah. We were, and a couple listeners went back and, and listened to it. Yeah, and they can hear it. Yeah. Um, yeah, cause, because I posted on the Facebook page, hey, did anybody actually catch that little sound? And then a bunch of people were like, oh, I'm going to go back and listen. So um, it's really hard to hear. Yeah. I would suggest putting headphones on if you want to hear it. I mean, I can hear it without the headphones, but you can hear it much better with. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to insert the audio here. It's so weird. We came through on this one. Thank you. What was that? Me. Okay, so I don't know if you caught that, but it's right... Right as and after Kurt says the word through. Yeah, you so can he's hear saying it, in the background it came of me through. Saying through. And then you hear this weird high pitched noise. So I will play it again. We came through on this one. Thank you. What was that? Me. So do you think I should try actually just cutting that little sound? No. No. No, because I think you kind of need our talk. The voices there. around it. Uh, but I, I hear it. I mean, it sounds to me like a meow, like a cat meowing. But other people said it sounded like a electronic noise of some kind like a high pitch yeah. yeah but there's nothing down here to explain no, and that and we've never heard that before no no of all the time we spend down here we've never heard that before and jim wasn't here was he jim was not here he was out of town yeah so that's just weird. i don't have a cat <laughs> no it's just weird <laughs> yeah it is weird i mean i occasionally will see birds hopping around outside yeah. those window wells behind you could but i've never could heard have been a neighbor running something like a saw no no yeah I don't know. It was just weird. The furnace or the air conditioner was not running at the time. It was totally quiet down here. Well, That's was the just only weird. reason you heard it, was, it probably. Yeah. It was just weird that other stuff had been kind of happening here. Right. You know, <laughs> so she doesn't think the place is haunted, but it is. Trust me. <laughs> is that, is last time when I came down and like the power stuff was all on the floor? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So stuff's been happening here, but. <laughs> yeah. I can say when I, d- I came down to do laundry later that day and again, I was home alone. I was a little apprehensive. I kept like looking behind me because the washer and dryer are just in the next room. And I kept kind of like glancing behind me, like it was really. Weird. I should leave some kind of. Voice I don't like that feeling. Re- oh my god! Thing in here that it'll play like whispering sounds when you come down. You're so mean. I would not do that to you. I know. I really wouldn't. It's it's not a good feeling though to like be in your own home and be a little bit nervous. Like yeah. I I don't like that feeling at all. Yeah. We are semi looking for a house, so. I want an old home, though, so not my luck, I'll buy some haunted house. Some super haunted house. <laughs> right. Stuff happening like my old apartment. Uh, we were looking at a house in Cleveland. Or not Cleveland, but in that area, so it'd be a lot closer for you. But we'll see what we find. Cleveland's nice. Like I like Cleveland. Yeah, it's a cute little hamlet. I want an old farmhouse or something. With Do some we have acreage. anything else? Um, what time are we looking at? We're at 22 minutes, so that's not bad because we yeah. have... We do have a letter from Matthew Thornton, but we're going to open that next time because we figured this one was going to run a little long. Mm-hmm. Was there, what else? I feel like we're forgetting something that we were going to do. We have the taste test. Oh, we got to do the taste we test. We got to do the taste test. <laughs> That's what we forgot. Yep. 
Um, was, was there anything else we were going to talk no, about? No, I told my two stories. I played the clip. Talked about my synchronicities. Uh, thank you again everything. to everybody that sent in a story last yeah. time for the listener stories episode. That was awesome. And I loved getting the feedback on the Facebook page. I people who sent stories were like, oh, it was so neat to hear my story. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of people left comments. I just think that's so nice. Nope, that is awesome. So thank you. I think that's it. So jump into the taste test. Let's do it. That I got you all scared about. Ugh. Well, the thing is. I'm already like, blah. The thing is, in all. All the times we've done this, there's only been a couple times where I'm legitimately queasy at the idea oh, of what we're going to be tasting. And this is one of them. And I don't know, maybe you won't think it's that bad, but to me- I'm already cringing. It just grosses me out. And it's two things that I really like separately that should Shouldn't not be, combined. be together. Okay. It is by the same company- from last time when we had the, the pickle soda. Okay. Ooh. So it is a soda. That was terrible too. So this one legitimately kind of freaks me out. Okay. And I mean, I don't want to gag. <laughs> Great. But there's something about this that just grosses me out and I don't know what it is. So here you go. Are you ready? I'm ready. I don't think I am ready, if I'm being honest. Okay. Ketchup soda. Ooh. Yeah, it is. Grandpa Joe. Ugh. Grandpa Joe's. Who comes up ketchup with this soda? Stuff? And that just grosses it me really out. Grosses like me the out. idea. I like ketchup. I love I love ketchup. I love soda. So we're gonna drink carbonated ketchup. Basically. Carbonated ketchup soda. Ugh. Okay. And it scares me because pickle soda could have been okay. It could have but been. But they didn't make it okay. No, they it didn't. was just straight up dill. So this could be like weirdly tomatoey. And again, this is from <laughs> this is from Stephanie, my cousin Stephanie, Ooh, and Taylor and Addison. Not hundred percent sure. I'm gonna... Oh, I don't like the smell already. <laughs> See, this one oh. just makes me want to like gag, and I don't know. Same. <sighs> I'm taking a tiny bit. I don't even know if I can smell it because I, if I smell it, I'm not going to be able to drink it. Like, <laughs> I love ketchup. I will dip the heck out of stuff yeah, in ketchup. I do. I love ketchup But too. ketchup soda just oh, freaks God, me out. It's not going to be good. Oh, don't <laughs> smell it. Don't smell it. Are we ready? I don't know. I, I, I literally don't know if I can do this. <laughs> oh this God. one like makes me want to gag. You did dunder salt, but we can't drink <sighs> ketchup soda. Good point. You ready? Let's do it. Oh, that's surprising. Okay, that I, is yeah. that is not bad. It tastes better than I thought it was going to. What does it taste like? It doesn't taste like ketchup. That's actually Try good. Try smelling it now. Oh, I don't like the smell. Yeah, the smell is horrible. It tastes like a fruit. I mean, tomatoes are fruit. Where they did? Oh, where, I guess I do get a little bit of ketchup. Uh, where they screwed up with the pickle one by making it just straight up dill yeah this one is actually sweet yeah it's and got it has, sweetness it has like ketchup's a little sweet it's a little tangy it's actually pretty a little vinegar good. you get a little hint yeah, of vinegar i was super scared of this one but this is actually okay i mean i'm not gonna drink it voluntarily like i would never pursue this i like this it's not as horrible as the dill was I did not think I would like this. This one has freaked me out. I'm giving for, it a six. This, I'm giving it a, a nine. Wow. Yeah. A nine? <laughs> yeah. Wow. There's like a taste to it that it's not the ketchup taste, but it's like, a f like I want to say pineapple or like a fruity kind of taste yeah, to me. Yeah, it definitely has like a Like a sweeter taste. taste, but it goes really good with the tomato-y kind of taste. 
Does it maybe have a cherry. cherry taste? Yes, maybe it's cherry. Tell yourself it's cherry. And soda. then it and then it has like the ketchup flavor, but it's not. The ketchup isn't overwhelming. It it's totally almost, tastes like cherry. It's almost more fruit flavored. So yeah. this is. It's I not was, bad. I was scared of this the last so couple days, and yeah. I'm actually really enjoying this. The aftertaste. The isn't aftertaste great. is gr- is gross, <laughs> but just drink, gross. drinking it is okay. I like this, and okay. that's, that totally surprises me. That happens sometimes. We're terrified of something, and then you end up liking it. Did you take a picture of it? Yes, I did. I actually really like this. I'm like, not going to say really I like it, drink this. but it's not horrible. Ooh, okay. That was way better than the I thought it was going to Yeah, the be. aftertaste sucks, though. Yeah, the aftertaste is gross because it is like ketchup on your lips. Yeah. At least give me a French fry to <laughs> put in there with it. Mayonnaise is my mayonnaise is my go-to for French fries. Ranch. Ugh, I don't like ranch. Really? Oh, you don't like ranch? But like so, it's a Midwestern requirement. I just don't. To like I mean, ranch. I'll I'll have ranch you with put it some on stuff. Pizza? No. Oh, it's so good. No, I love ranch. I'm not a pizza crust dipper. Like if you need to, dip I will your... put it on the whole piece of pizza. <laughs> no, I like ranch and some stuff, mm. but for the most part, I'm ooh. I do like mayo. What? High pitched buzz in my ear. Oh, I am not great. a fan of ranch. Yeah, I am not. I a... feel like a high pitched buzzing is a sign of something weird. I don't know. Be. It was just in my left ear, and okay. it was like super loud. Uh, but yeah, I'm just not a fan of ranch. Oh, I wish I could get that taste out of my mouth now. Yeah, it's pretty. The aftertaste is gross, but the during taste it is lingers. Good. Like I like actually like this. I like. Do we have any spare candy just hanging around that I can mm-hmm. eat to get it out mm-hmm. of my face? Get it out of my face? Oh yeah, I have one of these. I'm just going to take a bite. Mm, it's still good, though. So you don't want to finish up the ketchup soda? Ugh. I can't believe. Desert assortment. Prickly pear. Cactus. What is this green one? We tasted these once a long time ago. I cannot read that. Oh, margarita. This is a margarita one. That leaves a much better taste in my mouth than... Than a ketchup soda? Yes. <laughs> I think there's still two sodas in there from them, so... Oh, why? <laughs> We're going to take a break from their sodas next episode because uh, David Bond gave us some stuff oh, yeah. to try. Okay. And we got... Do you think he's been mean? David? Mm-hmm. No, I looked at his stuff. Isn't Jamie it... the one who sent us the clam decanes? <laughs> I don't remember who sent us <laughs> the clam like decanes, but those were horrible. <laughs> But uh, no, the, he sent us stuff from different countries, which is oh, actually kind of okay. cool. That is cool. Uh, Sweet. Do we got anything else? I hope not. We're at 29 minutes. <laughs> Holy buckets. <laughs> Holy well, buckets. It'll be just be a little longer than usual. Yeah, nobody complains about it. And again, just check the timestamp if you don't want to sit through this. Yep. So we're, uh, I listen to some doozies for this mm. episode. It's like some of them are just... There was one that could have been good, but the main guy was really loud, and the, his co-host was uh, super quiet. It's the worst. Yeah, th- I've listened. That to was some us that at are, the beginning. It was us at the beginning. <laughs> I feel like we're better now. I Although hope we so. recently had a comment from somebody on something. I don't know if it was Podbean, where one of us was quieter than the other, but oh. I don't know. I don't know if I've noticed that. I don't think I have either. Anyway, should we jump into today's topic? Do it. Today's topic, we are going, we're following up listener stories with listener suggestions. These are three stories that uh, listeners have uh, asked us in the past to do, to look at. 
And I didn't because I didn't feel like there was really enough there to go on or there was anything even there at all. Okay. But we did this last season or the season before where we did listener suggestions. So I figured we'd do Well, if you do more than one, it takes up enough. Exactly. So we're going to do three of them. Sweet. Krista doesn't really have any idea what the heck we're going to be talking about. Not a clue. (laughs) So the first Do I ever? Even when you tell me, do I know what we're doing? (laughs) Probably not. Probably not. Um, so the first story we're going to be looking at is the story of Doveland, Wisconsin. Ooh, a local story. Doveland or Doveland. I've heard it pronounced both ways. I okay. think it's Doveland. D-O-V-E-L-A-N-D. Lo- Doveland. Yeah. That's what I would but say. But I've heard people call it Doveland on podcasts too. But yeah, Doveland, Wisconsin. Are you ready? I'm ready. From a November 4th, 2022, and I wish I could remember who asked us to do this. I need to get better at writing down who asks us to do stuff. I know at least one person asked us to do this. It might have been two. And also, just like who sends us gifts. Yeah. I feel like we should have a spreadsheet. Yeah, we should have a spreadsheet that we can share. You know Who's what I mean? Who's going to maintain that? Yeah. We need an intern. <laughs> we need an intern. <laughs> November 4th, 2022, Ranker article called, quote, Doveland, Wisconsin, the urban legend of the town that disappeared. Ooh. And the article says, quote, Ghost towns or vanished towns are staples of the horror genre, whether it be the Silent Hill games based on the real-life ghost town of Centralia, Pennsylvania, or the sci-fi masterpiece Wraths of Roanoke, loosely centered around the disappearance of the Roanoke colony. Are we going to cover Roanoke? At some point? Yeah. Like, there was one, there's a topic that I wasn't going to do because I thought it was just kind of solved and it was played out, and then I was listening to the Sofa King podcast on the way down today about that topic and i'm like oh we should do this next episode Hmm. because it's an interesting topic and uh but at some point we'll probably talk about roanoke okay i just don't know exactly what that all entails because i don't really know much about it no i don't either but these two places are real you can go there if you really want to although few would recommend centralia as underground coal fires are still burning and filling the air with toxins still my favorite video game (laughs) silent hill yeah Mm -hmm. The same cannot be said for Doveland, Wisconsin, a small Midwest town that seemingly never existed, despite those online who claim to have heard of it or have been there. Firmly nestled in the quiet Midwest of America, Wisconsin features plenty of charming small towns with picturesque families living the American dream. These communities are usually tight-knit and perhaps a bit isolated, making them especially vulnerable to even the smallest of changes. With that in mind, it's not hard to imagine such a small town dying out for any number of reasons. But in the case of Doveland, Wisconsin, there's no actual evidence it ever existed in the first place. No old maps or historical records await eyes in dust-filled storerooms with evidence of this town's existence. All anyone has is a strange, grainy picture taken in what looks like a bar or restaurant, which was posted on various forums with the claim that it was, quote, recovered from Doveland. And I'll send you the picture right now. Okay. Does it? Are you going to say where allegedly it was? We don't know. So we don't know where in no, Wisconsin I'll, I'll, it I'll ever get to that. Existed. I think that's like the next. Okay. I feel like I'm not as loud as I usually am, according to the lights here. Do you want me to check? Uh, no, that should be okay. You did. Yeah, because when I checked before, yeah. we were fine. So this picture, favorites. I'm going to send that to. And your phone number is five 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 one two one two. So this is like this picture shows up as being taken in Dublin. 
Okay. It looks like it literally could be taken at Anywhere. any supper club <laughs> yeah, in, Wisconsin. in Wisconsin. Yeah. It's got a weird red glow. Oh, there's like a lady covered. That's funny. Yeah. It's just like. You could claim she's a ghost. It's just like yeah. an overexposed yeah. photo or something. And that's all that apparently. Oh, it's like a waiter sitting yeah. at a table. Yeah. It was posted yeah. on various forums with the claim that this picture was, quote, recovered from Dublin. Yeah. It could be from anywhere. Yeah. There's no telling where this mysterious town would have been in Wisconsin before its alleged disappearance. It's only always described as having been, quote, in the heart of Wisconsin. Mm. It's simply a ghost, only summoned in the past few years by posts on 4chan, Reddit, and Tumblr. This then begs the question, why do some internet users recall Dublin being a real place up until the early 1990s? Many of these users are too young to have visited it themselves, but claim that their parents or grandparents mentioned the town in passing. Some even claim to live near Dublin or even had lived in the town itself for a time. Original posts mention the existence of tourist memorabilia from the town, such as t-shirts, mugs, and postcards. As discussion of this disappearing town grew, it wasn't long before companies began capitalizing on the phenomena. Soon enough, online vendors were producing and selling merchandise bearing Dublin's name, making it theoretically impossible to know now what was newly created and what could have been legitimate. And if you search Dublin, Wisconsin, you can get t-shirts, you can get oh. caps because of the sure. hype ab- around this mysterious town. Mm-hmm. So now if stuff really had existed that said Dublin, Wisconsin, you're going to assume that it's a current product right. and not an actual product. It's safe to say, however, that anything found today was almost assuredly made to exploit the conspiracy hype. Uh, But there are other cities that this is rumored to have happened to. The website Obscurian Legends Wikipedia says, quote, Langville, Montana was supposedly a small rural town that disappeared in the early 2000s and of which online discussion and evidence has been apparently erased, appearing in Google search autocomplete and recommended search options under intriguing titles such as, quote, Langville, Montana incident, Langville, Montana disappearance, and most bizarrely, Langville, Montana turned inside out, Mm. which is weird. Yeah. Yet clicking these links yields nothing, leading investigators to suspect that, quote, not only has this town disappeared, but all the data on it was being expunged from the Internet. The story has become such an Internet legend that it was later referenced in a recent Ghostbusters sequel, which I didn't see the sequel, so I don't know. While it remains likely that a kind of publicity campaign was involved in the suggested searches, some locals have claimed that the rumors of a vanished town in Montana are long-standing, while others claim to remember Langville, though only vaguely, as if, quote, on the periphery of known memory. In fact, shortly after the Ghostbusters movie released, several reviews from Montana locals noted the review to the town referencing as a real place, whether ironically or whether or not they believe that it had actually existed. Mm -hmm. And somebody on Reddit writes, quote, Okay, my dad is a big Wisconsinite and has been almost everywhere in the state due to either athletics or just traveling. We no longer live in Wisconsin, but after hearing about Dublin, I immediately asked my dad, hey, where is it? My dad responded with, quote, oh, I've driven through there on my way to Appleton. So that's kind of by me. He didn't <laughs> yeah, mention but where was he coming from? He didn't mention where he was coming from, but I said, quote, it doesn't exist. And his response was complete denial, and he swore that he had been there before. Is this like a Mandela effect? And, well, we're going to get to that in theories. Okay. <laughs> in my mind, it made the theory much more interesting when my dad said that he knew it existed. 
Somebody else on Reddit wrote, quote, I had family who lived there and I miss them every day. Somebody responded, they lived in Dublin. Are they still in Wisconsin? And then the original poster said, no, they vanished without a trace, Mandela effect style. Immediate family remembers them, but any contact information or evidence we had that they existed is gone. Weird. So that's weird. I feel like that could be an episode. <laughs> and somebody on 4chan wrote, quote, I grew up around Rhinelander and I distinctly remember my dad wearing a t-shirt from a bar that said, quote, Barron's Pub, Dublin, Wisconsin, many times when I was a kid. So it's... I don't know. I'd like to see pictures of that. So we get, yeah. So we get to theories. Two big theories, of course. First theory, the town exists or did exist. Mm -hmm. And a sub theory for that, and this showed up in a lot of stuff that I looked at, was damming. Like several towns in Wisconsin have been wiped out by damming. Though they were decades ago when the public works were damming up rivers and the resulting reservoir flooded a town or two and mm. closed the town down. Sure. And it's happened a lot in Wisconsin where a small town can get wiped out by damming. Hmm. But then there's still always a trace, like records of the right. town, which yeah. Dufflin does not apparently have. Another sub-theory under that one is a failing economy. Uh, a lot of towns close down and people move away. But again, why are there no records of this town ever existing? Do towns occasionally, when that happens, just get absorbed into a larger nearby? Possibly, but then there's still like you some. Think there'd be a there's still records. Yeah. Like there, there's meticulous records of small towns around here because I've looked up stuff, mm -hmm. you know. So if this town existed, there should be some kind of records going back, mm -hmm. you know. So. Uh, a third uh, sub-theory under the fact that the town existed, and this one is weird, and I never knew this one, and this one could almost be a topic all its own, is something called Project Sanguine. S-A-N-G-U-I-N-E. And somebody on Reddit writes, Dublin was very real. My father used to mention it occasionally before he died, and the only reason I remember it is because I found it ironic that a town named Dublin was populated by almost exclusively military personnel and their families. I will dig around for a shirt when back home next September. So it has to be near a military base. Yeah. If Well, yeah. If I remember correctly, I heard the town was built as part of Project Sanguine in the mid to late 60s. Maybe everyone left when the project was canceled, but I thought something went very wrong. You can only dig up that much turf for so long before you're bound to have problems. And this is about Project Sanguine. This comes from the website Ghost in My Machine, which I go to a lot because mm -hmm. it's a great website. So on her website, she writes, quote, Project Sanguine was first proposed in 1968. The idea was to bury a gigantic grid of cables under roughly 41% of the state of Wisconsin. That's like almost half. Yeah. In order to turn its bedrock into the world's largest radio antenna. Yeah, that's like creepy, nothing actually. good. Nothing no. good is going to come out of that. Uh -uh. The cables would, with the aid of 100 underground power plants, generate extremely low frequency or ELF waves, with the end result being a system capable of surviving a nuclear attack that could send messages and orders, although not receive them, to nuclear submarines anywhere in the world. But there was a problem, money. The project would have been enormously expensive to build, so it was shelved. 
what was concocted instead was Project ELF, or ELF, so named for the variety of waves it was meant to transmit communications over. Constructed in 1969, with testing beginning 1982, Project ELF encompassed two transmitters, one at Clam Lake in Wisconsin and one at Republic in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, which could operate together as one large antenna or independently as two smaller ones. Unlike the plans for Project Sanguine, Project ELF's cables were strung above ground. As such, the system wasn't built to survive nuclear attacks. It operated between 1989 and 2004 when, due to factors ranging from constant complaints from residents to the limitations of ELF as a communication method, the project ended up being shut down. So how does Dublin, Wisconsin fit in with this project? In a few ways, although it's worth noting that the potential connections weren't introduced into the story until the story had already been circulating for a bit. The quotes collected by Obscure and Legend suggest that the town was flooded, either accidentally or on purpose, during the construction of Project Sanguine. Of course, there's a problem with that idea. The project never progressed to the construction stage. It was killed off before anything even remotely close to breaking ground could happen. There was no digging, and therefore there is no way the town could have been flooded by the act of digging. And Project Elf wasn't underground at all, so the story doesn't line up with the facts there either. Indeed, upon, upon closer examination, there are a number of holes in the story. Some of them may be documentation errors, while others may just be pure fabrication. Either way, it's when you start to look at it a little closer that it all starts to fall apart. Hmm. So although the whole idea of Project Sanguine is like crazy interesting, like half of the state would have had cables underneath it acting, sending out these frequencies, right. which would not have been good. No. You know, that I feel would like have, we'd know if that yeah, actually like happened. That would have been horrible. <laughs> right. But it didn't happen. It didn't happen to the point where they broke ground and anything flooded. Mm-hmm. But that also comes in with the next sub theory is that the town was a military experiment. A lot of people who believe Dublin existed remember it as a town with a lot of military people in it. So it's possible that they were there to do a top secret experiment and the town disappeared because of either disastrous results or because the experiment was successfully completed. Hmm. So that's the thing is a lot of people that do remember Dublin remember there being a lot of military people there. Do you think it's possible that there was another town with a really similar name? We're going to that get to that. Did exist? <laughs> we, okay. We're going to get to that. Um, yeah, I'm actually going to mention that right now. Another sub theory that actually has sub theories underneath it Ooh. is sub sub theory something paranormal. Oh, so sub theory under that is that it was a real vanishing town. From the Ranker article, it said, "Quote: What anyone could write off as a potential myth." alternate reality game, or a simple case of people mistaking Dublin for Delavan, which is an actual Mm. Wisconsin town. And I know where that is. Yeah. This was all soon forgotten when internet users noticed an odd set of Google search results. For the curious sleuths researching Dublin, two local news articles began constantly popping up despite neither of them mentioning Dublin by name. Both articles are about missing people. One is titled, quote, More than 1,000 Wisconsinites reported as missing. And the other article is called, quote, Who are they? Wisconsin's missing children. Considering online claims that the town supposedly disappeared, these articles about missing people did nothing to quell people's conspiracies and speculation. However, with the booming of the Dublin story, these articles no longer show up as the first suggested links. 
Hmm. So it's weird that people mm-hmm. that even though Dublin's not mentioned anywhere in the article, when you search Dublin, it brought up this article about missing people. Yeah, that is odd. And missing children. So that's weird. Very weird. Uh, sub-theory two under the sub-theory paranormal stuff is hyperstition, which we also talk about as tulpa. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a self-fulfilling prophecy that comes true through its belief and spread. You know, mm-hmm. we've talked about um, Slenderman, that some people right. believe that it started out as an internet creepypasta, but right. because so many people believed read it. it and believed in it or mulled it over, that it actually willed it into it. actual yeah. physical reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some people believe that's what this is. The more people believe in something, the more it's possible to bring it into existence. And this would a almost <laughs> this would almost be <laughs> a reverse. This would almost be a reverse hyperstition, which is causing something to exist in the past because we believe in it in the present. Hmm. So yeah, that's, that's weird. That's that a is, mind bender. That is a mind bender. Hmm. Uh, the second thub, thub theory, theory. The second <laughs> sub theory under paranormal is what you mentioned earlier. Mistaken identity. No. Oh. Starts with an M. Mandela. Mandela effect. effect. Reddit user says, quote, incidentally enough, another town, Langville, Montana, is part of the vanishing town phenomena. Several people from Montana recall outright or vaguely that the town vanished sometime during the beginning of the millennium. Langville has been dubbed, quote, the town the internet wants you to forget. At some point in the past 10 to 20 years, searches for the town began yielding nothing, and that's where the mystery began. I believe that both Langville and Dublin really did exist and are part of the Mandela effect quantum occurrence. Perhaps, I'll personally say, from one of the newly converged time streams. This would prove that we're dealing with a far more complex phenomena that stretches the multiverse. What is also interesting is that both have been pinpointed to disappear in the 90s or early 2000s period, which many people hypothesize is possibly ground zero for the Mandela effect which is weird because that is when mm-hmm. the Mandela effect is believed to have started happening. Right. You know, as well as other quantum occurrences. Lastly, what makes the disappearing town phenomenon so interesting is that many people, myself included, have noticed that Earth has shrunk tremendously and is continuing to shrink. So towns now noticingly disappearing is not surprising. And that's weird. Very like, weird. I didn't know that the Earth was shrinking. Neither did I. But as the, it sounds like what he's saying is that as the Earth is shrinking... Hmm. Towns are popping out of existence because there's not enough <laughs> there's room, no room for them. So, I don't know about that one. Yeah. And the last theory underneath the paranormal stuff is basically the opposite of the Mandela effect. Somebody on Reddit said, quote, Dublin exists in a parallel universe that is slowly merging with ours. As it keeps merging, more evidence of Dublin's existence is appearing until the town eventually will materialize itself. That's a cool idea. That is a cool idea. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's some of the that's some of the stuff about Dublin did exist. And theory number two, the town never existed. And I don't really know what to say for this one. It was just kind of a creepypasta that everybody played into. Like sure. 4chan, Reddit, uh, those are all great but they're not known for being like bastions of factual information yeah don't do your uh, yeah. research <laughs> yeah. don't base it solely on what you find so no and that's that's the thing is that it's just it's like cool to play into it and say oh i remember my family yeah. going there yeah so my if somebody there. like sh- had a legit picture of like that baron's pub 
Dublin, Wisconsin, and you could see that it was like a genuine vintage shirt, that would be one thing. Yeah. But for now, it's all just stories on these forums. Right. You know, something awful forum, 4chan, Reddit, where it's just people trying to create a creepypasta. Yeah. That, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. That and, seems most likely. Or yeah. just Man- not Mandela effect, but... Again, are people thinking of Delavan? Are they thinking of well, some th- similarly yeah, named that, town? That's the thing is that Delavan kept popping up, but Delavan is kind of over by Madison, mm-hmm. I believe. It is. Uh, but I, but people like say like, legitimately their family members remember being there, you know. And before I get to the what do you thinks, I want to, <laughs> this is my favorite Reddit quote. Somebody wrote, quote, Dublin's disappearance means they had neither a decent fish fry nor a decent supper club to offer. <laughs> Their loss will go unmourned. I mean, this picture <laughs> this, looks like it's in a supper club. The picture so looks I don't like know. a supper Like the picture, I don't know, I don't know if, if that's somebody. a supper club, actually, because there's booths. Although supper, supper clubs, clubs do have, have booths. booths yeah, I been... always picture tables. Yeah, I thought you said boobs for some reason. <laughs> I was like, what picture did I send you? Um, <laughs> but That's I've really been, funny, though. I've been at supper clubs that have booths. Yeah, that's true. So, so have I. But it's 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 true. Like if you're if you're a town in Wisconsin, you don't have a good fish fry or a supper club or a good bar or a good bar or a quick trip or good, a quick good trip. luck to you. So what do you <laughs> think, Dublin, Wisconsin? Yay or nay? I think it's a cool story. I think it's a really cool story. Yeah, I just feel but like at, at the end of the day, I think it's I just think a it story. Existed, yeah, I don't. I think it's just people saying, "Oh yeah," you know, like adding their or two misremembering cents. or misremembering. They're misremembering another town that actually did exist yeah, at one time. The idea, like, I feel it's a little hokey to say it was all military personnel, making yeah. it sound like it's a military experiment and the town right. just vanished. That's a little too conspiracy yeah. theory to me. You know, but and some people tied it in with the missing four one one stuff, saying this is how people just disappear. Is that An they're in a town, town that just disappears? Mm. But I don't know. I'm going with like ho- not hoax, urban legend. I'm going of. with urban legend too. I'm going with the town never existed, and all yeah. these people saying that their family members were there, or that they've driven past it, or driven through it, or stopped there, are just people trying to add to the. The like, urban legend. And again, there's no firsthand accounts. It's my relative or somebody I knew has been there or said it existed. Yeah. Nobody's saying I was there. Yeah. So it's a lot of secondhand. Yes. You know, so you and I are both going eh on that eh, one that we think is just it. an urban legend, but yep. it's a really cool it's story. It's a cool one, though. It's a really cool story. So that is story number one, the tale of Dublin, Wisconsin. We got to get Dublin hats now, too. We should. Dublin, Wisconsin. Cash in on that urban legend. We should go looking for it. Maybe that we should take a road trip, look that for could Dublin. could take a while. And then just disappear and never, like, <laughs> stop the podcast. want to disappear. The second story I have, what time are we looking at? Uh, 53 minutes. Okay. The second story I have was actually requested by quite a few people. I okay. want to say at least three or four. And I never felt like there was anything to this. And I think part of the reason is because I'm old <laughs> and I remember <laughs> these days. Okay. But this is the story of the disappearance of Joanna Lopez. Mm. I got to send you a picture for this. Okay. Because I'm going to be referring to the picture. This is not ringing a bell to me. No. This one's kind of an obscure one, but people that are into this are really, really hardcore into this. Okay. Um, all right, albums, all right. Okay, so, 
And wow, Jane, that's a terrible photo. <laughs> that's that's where a lot of this comes from. Super grainy. That black is where and white a lot photo. of this comes from. I mean, it's a person with a head. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I can get out of. Maybe January, some glasses. <laughs> on January fourteenth, nineteen eighty nine. On the NBC television affiliate WMAQ in Chicago, right after the channel signed off for the evening, a missing persons poster was shown on the screen for the rest of the evening and morning until the channel signed on mm. again. Yeah, remember those days when That's the all thing. broadcasting yeah. would stop? The that image, the but it was weird that I don't remember any of them having the image on all night. It usually went from missing person stuff to static. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They'd play the national anthem. Like in the yeah. movie Poltergeist. The image shown on the missing persons poster was that of, of a person with the name Joanna Lopez. The quality of the image is so low that it's difficult to make out the face or pretty much any of the details of Joanna Lopez's appearance. Like you said. Yeah. A, <laughs> along with the image of Joanna Lopez, there was a uh, white ribbon design on the left-hand side of the screen with the word missing. The text, quote, call 312-744-5594 was right underneath Joanna's name. There were no other details about her disappearance or important information like her age or height. There was no audio accompanying the missing child poster other than the usual creepy analog television electronic hum. Reportedly, the WMAQ channel also showed the same image after signing off two years later in 1991 when it was shown, perhaps accidentally, for about 10 seconds before switching to color bars and a tone. The quality of the image in the second version was slightly higher than the 1989 version, even though it's still the same image. So there's like two groups that are, are into this. The one group is people trying to figure out who this girl is and what happened to her. Mm-hmm. And the other group is people that are convinced there's something sinister or weird about it. It's not what it seems kind yeah. of thing. Okay. Yeah. People have scoured through the NAMUS, N-A-M-U-S, N-C-M-E-C, and the Charlie Project websites and found no recorded appearance of the name Joanna Lopez in their databases. Mm. People have Googled Joanna Lopez missing 1989 and no news articles or newspaper articles showed up with any details surrounding a disappearance. The missing persons poster. (coughs) Sorry. (laughs) This missing person poster after sign off might be one of the most mysterious potential missing persons cases on the Internet due to the sheer lack of any information relating to the individual's disappearance and the organization or government agency that created the poster and decided to show it in a television station sign-off of all places to help spread the word about a missing person. A time when nobody's watching TV. So so they can potentially be found. In this case, it's the lack of any sort of information that makes it a mystery. And again, there's almost two groups who are into this case. One group believing that it's something creepy or nefarious, and one group who are into it because of the true crime aspect and the lack of any details about this missing girl. A person on unexplainedmysteries.com writes, quote, The phone number is actually one of the very, very few clues. It rings up a division of the Chicago Police Department, which specifically handles missing juveniles. So at the very least, we know she is a minor. To this day, no friends or relatives of Joanna have ever been found, and there has not been been a single trace of Joanna herself. This is a mystery within a mystery within a mystery. Why is such a poor quality photo used? Why was there no vital information listed on the missing slide? 
How did the broadcast even get on air in the first place as it does not match the format of the usual reports of missing people that WMAQ airs? Is Joanna Lopez just a pseudonym, and is that why no record can be found of her or her disappearance? And why the hell did the broadcast need to be so damn creepy? (laughs) (laughs) There is the possibility the second broadcast aired shortly after, and the date posted, uh, which some people said was 1991, is wrong. Some sources say that WMAQ had a different logo in 1991, and it's impossible for them to have used the same logo during the sign-off, meaning this could have been aired shortly after the 1989 broadcast. However, some have said that WMAQ did use this logo well into 1991. And somebody on Reddit writes, It is really depressing to think of all the missing people, not just from lower incomes, but who simply didn't have someone to report them. It's heartbreaking when we only know a woman is missing because her pimp actually went to the cops to report her in some cases. But for this one, how did a family convince a local news station to accidentally creep out its viewers by showing her photo all night while they were otherwise off the air? And it's not something they seemed in the habit of doing as it appears they only did it for her. So did someone at the station possibly know her? Did the family have enough money to do this? Were the police testing a new method? And given that she has had this kind of attention, why in the world is there no write-up about her? Even a newspaper article mentioning the weirdness of showing her poster. (coughs) No trace of her. You need some more ketchup soda? I might actually need a little (laughs) swig of ketchup. Mm. Swig of ketchup. That's refreshing. (laughs) No trace of her. No databases list her as missing or deceased. And there doesn't even seem to be enough to really create a missing file outside of her name, a really terrible photo, and that she went missing probably in the late 80s. Yeah, there's quite literally nothing about that photo no, that would help you like identify a, horrible a person. Photo. Yeah. It's like a horrible photo. You can tell it's a human. That's about <laughs> That's it. That's all you can tell. <laughs> And somebody else says, I submitted a Freedom of Information Act to the Chicago Police Department, so hopefully they give us more information about the circumstances of Joanna Lopez's disappearance. And then they write, I got a reply from the CPD, Chicago Police Department, stating that there are no positive results for a person named Joanna Lopez in their databases for the years 1988 to 1991. So the Freedom of Information request I made was unsuccessful in discovering more details surrounding her disappearance. And then somebody else writes, I watched the YouTube video linked by the OP, original poster. A few people commented on the video saying they remember the station doing this for other missing people as well. One person mentioned how terrifying it was to flip through the channels at 4 o'clock a.m. and being only 8 years old and to see a picture like that. And it's a weird picture. Like, it's hard to see, but it looks like she's wearing, like, super big glasses, glasses like yep. in the 80s because there's people, like a glare people, almost. people said it made it look like she had huge bug eyes like alien she looks uh, like an alien there's been a lot of talk people trying to figure out what the object is behind her Man, i gotta look at it again in the picture like people think it's a lamp and it's like you could not you literally could not have done a worse picture than that it looks like a window yeah. like a door with two windows to me yeah, and I, I don't know if I get into it in here, but people that get into this and really get into this, and somebody has pictures from outside the building they think that this picture was taken in in Chicago. Hmm. Uh, theories. One theory is that it was a broadcast intrusion or a prank. Hmm. Broadcast intrusion is when somebody breaks into a TV signal. That was actually Max gonna, Headroom. That was actually going to be today's. <laughs> That was actually oh, really? going to be today's side session until I went with this other story. Okay. I already started working on the broadcast intrusion one because there's been some fascinating ones. 
So some people think it was a broadcast intrusion or a prank. Somebody on Reddit writes, quote, the prank excuse especially bothers me because if you look at about every classic broadcast intrusion prank or hoax from the time, they're significantly more obvious and less subtle than simply inserting a slight odd missing persons card would be. If someone had the opportunity to convert, covertly slip anything out to the masses, I don't see why they'd waste their time testing the waters with such a quiet, almost innocuous bit rather than going all out and making their intent clear to the audience. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not a broadcast intrusion. Broadcast intrusions usually get shut off as soon as somebody realizes. Right. Somebody's you know, like, be no, like it. Chicago, the, the station was shut down for the night, but there were people there sure. in case something happened. So if it would have been a broadcast intrusion, they would have flipped a switch and, and stopped it. You know, and it wasn't it wasn't a prank. Theory number two is that it was the test of a new system. Somebody on Reddit writes, could this have been a test from the TV station? If so, who were the staff there during 1989 to 1991? Considering the strange lack of information regarding her, such as age, date of birth, weight, height, where she was last seen, and the odd time slot, what if it was just a mock-up for the TV station to test out? Perhaps they could have used someone on staff or their family as a model. I know some people have speculated this being a prank given the eerie and unclear nature of it all, but I feel like that would land them in too much trouble. Something like a test run would make more sense in my opinion, especially since it seems like it wasn't supposed to be broadcast for long in the second recording, almost as if it were accidentally shown instead of the test pattern. Somebody else on Reddit writes, quote, It was most likely not an accident. I've worked in broadcast TV before local news affiliates. You can't just accidentally put a picture up like that without already having it in the control room loaded and ready to go. Most likely, Joanna Lopez was a runaway, and the family or people who submitted the missing to WMAQ never followed up. So her slides stayed in the rotation of other people until they discontinued showing missing people on WMAQ. The reason it cut short in 1991 is because that's how the broadcast changed. It used to just be a single slide for a bit and then a network crawl or just color bars after an hour or so until it signed on in the morning. In 1991, it was slide, then color bars until the morning. No network crawl. Somebody else writes, your explanation makes sense, apart from the fact that it doesn't explain why the national anthem footage wasn't allowed to finish before they showed the slide. Why would this slide appear so abruptly? Surely oh, they, so it it interrupted the national. I don't know anthem? if it did or not, but we'll get oh. to, we'll get to some more stuff. Uh, surely they'd have the lineup organized and the slide ready to go after the anthem was done playing. And then the person replied, "It was just faded a second or two too early in the control room. There are two separate tapes: the national anthem tape and then the Joanna Lopez tape. That's part of the rotation of other missing people slides." When the national anthem ended, the person controlling the overnight simply just transitioned into the missing people's rotation tape a bit early. That's why it looked so abrupt. It was not automated at the time. Hmm. And theory number three, she's a legit missing person. You know, but then it's like, why is there no trace of her? Was her name misspelled? Did she go underneath a different name? Did she go under a different name? Many people have pointed out the possibility that it's easy to misspell Joanne. You know, there's a lot of different ways you can spell the name Joanne. I feel that that might be something to keep in mind while scouring databases and reports. Another person mentioned their legal name accidentally crops up a lot despite having changed their name a long time ago. I don't know how well databases keep track of legal names and name changes, but I wouldn't be surprised if a lack of results under Joanna Lopez was due to her legal name being entirely different. 
Yeah, that could be a maiden yep. name or a married name or something. Somebody else says, I was thinking maybe it was someone missing that a person at the station might have personally known. Just get the okay from the boss and leave it up overnight. And somebody else writes, I haven't seen this mentioned anywhere else yet, but out of curiosity, I checked what Google Trends had to show on searches for Joanna Lopez. January 2004 is the furthest back their data appears to go, but interestingly, you can narrow the searches down to Chicago specifically. Doing that shows the height of the search term's popularity in that location was actually all the way back in April 2004. Maybe this is a fluke or error in the data, but I'm not aware of such a thing. If you look at other states that search that term too, like California or Texas, there is no corresponding spike around that same time. So perhaps this, is a, this might be a potential lead worth exploring to know what led to searches for Joanna Lopez hitting their all-time high in Chicago in April 2004. Maybe there was a local news story or something that renewed interest in her disappearance. So that's one of the theories is that she just really was a legitimate missing person. Mm-hmm. And theory number four is weirdness. People just saying paranormal or nefarious weirdness. Somebody says, like why? Like maybe it was a code for something? A yeah. communication well, yeah, yep. of some okay. kind? Yeah, somebody okay. actually says, well, somebody writes, why use such a horrible photo? A lot of people say they are creeped out by the photo and that it appears almost alien-esque. Mm-hmm. I think it's the big glasses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, like I said, you could not get a worse photo of it's somebody terrible. to try to identify them. And on Reddit... And this, I actually thought of this before I even read this on Reddit. Somebody on Reddit writes, quote, Has anyone seen or read Stephen King's Hearts in Atlantis? Mm. This reminds me of the missing pet posters that were used as communication. Mm. And they were. Like, communi- mm-hmm. that's how the bad guy, like the bad guys used missing pet posters that they were looking for someone. And somebody mm. said that this kind of reminded them of that. But it turns out that there is proof that she probably was a legit missing person. One year ago, another WMAQ end-of-day transmission was found, and this one had a different missing person photo for a young girl named Trisha Collette with the same phone number to call, and once again, this image stayed on all night. So One year ago? It was, was, no, it was one year ago that it was posted by WMAQ. Like they have, a, I think their their YouTube right, but is so called. Like last year, this channel? that's when it was found. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But it's from around the same time okay, as okay. Joanna's disappearance. But somebody found it. Like you had somebody had old videotapes of them taping stuff or and whatever. She was Some, somehow they got missing? it. Who this second person? Yes, ah. uh, it was a girl named Trisha Kellett. It had the same phone number to call, and the image once again stayed on all night. And that was one of the things people said was creepy about it was that it stayed on all night because they didn't do that, and then it turns out they did. Hmm. So somebody on Reddit said this confirms that Joanna Lopez was definitely a real person and that this was not a test. But the story of Trisha Kellett—that's the girl, the second girl that showed up. Trisha's parents were divorced and she lived with her mother and stepfather at the time of her disappearance, but she still still saw her real father on a regular basis. She was well-known in her neighborhood and was an involved member of her local church. Trisha was last seen outside her uptown apartment in Chicago, Illinois, on May 7, 1982. She was waiting for her father to pick her up for the weekend and decided to play outside with friends in the meantime. She was playing with puppies across the street from her home when she was seen getting into a blue four-door 1979 Dodge or Pontiac with one or two men already inside. The car had a damaged front passenger door and a license plate beginning with the letters Q and R. She hasn't been seen or heard from since. Mm. 
It became apparent that Trisha was missing around 4 o'clock p.m. when her father arrived and her family began searching for her. Trisha's mother repeatedly called the police, but they did not arrive until 10 o'clock p.m. That's horrible. Yeah. You know. Authorities believe the man who picked Trisha up was Marvin Pontarelli, a known sex offender. Several witnesses... Wait, Marvin Pontarelli <laughs> was driving a Pontiac? <laughs> okay, I think so. <laughs> okay. Several witnesses picked him out of a lineup and... So one... he was a known sex, sex offender? offender? One witness saw him entering the Malden Arms Hotel with Trisha and another man. Oh, boy. When questioned, he failed a polygraph test. It was also discovered that Pontarelli had been sexually abusing three of Trisha's friends who were between the ages of 11 and 12 at the time and providing them with drugs and alcohol. His apartment was searched as a result and child pornography was found inside. Larry Fassler, another known sex offender, was found to have Trisha's name and Pontarelli's name written in his address book when his house was searched for an unrelated case in 1984. The date the names were under was from October 1982. He was questioned about this, but explained he just thought Pontarelli seemed suspicious due to history to his history of child abuse and was planning to mention it to the police at some point. Yeah, I'm not buying I'm not buying what he's selling there. In 1985, Pontarelli was arrested for charges unrelated to Trisha's disappearance. When he was questioned on the topic, he became upset and admitted to killing her and burying her on his family's property. However, he later changed his story and claimed Fassler had taken her to Mexico, something which he had a history of doing himself. Authorities believe Pontarelli may have abducted Trisha in order to force her into prostitution. If he was involved in her disappearance, it's believed she may be buried in the foundation of the Pontarelli apartments. I mean, the stark difference between these stories is that there's a ton of information. There's a ton of information about about Trisha's. Nothing on Joanna. There's nothing on Joanna. So we get to a timeline here that was written by a Reddit user named Bubblegum Trad. He says, "1979." Regional Directory, Rape Prevention and Treatment Resources, was published. The phone number 312-744-5594 belonged to the Youth Division of the Chicago Police Department. So it's a, it's a actual, it was the actual phone number of the Chicago, like, like missing juveniles. 1986. Was Joanna supposed to be a missing juvenile, Yeah, though? that's what's, yeah. That's she what's, doesn't. No, that's what's believed. She looks that's like a believed. middle-aged, I mean, yes. what you can tell. I think <laughs> yep. it's the hair. Yep. Um, I mean, you can kind of see she has her hair up in like a old school updo. Yep. In 1986, the the book, and I don't ever want to read this, the book Protocol for Child Death Autopsies was Ugh. published. The phone number 312-744-5594 belonged to Joe P. Mayo, commander for the youth division of the Chicago Police Department. He took part in missing in the missing persons outreach program, which started mis- printing missing children on milk cartons. Mm. 1989, right after a right after a sign off of TV station WMAQ, a missing persons poster with a low quality photo was shown. There were no details about her except for her name, Joanna Lopez. Below there was a phone number which was 312-744-5594. This image supposedly stayed up all night. 1991, after a sign off of WMAQ for a few seconds, this poster appeared again. In 1991 also, uh, the child child fatality investigative proce- wow <laughs> child fatality investigative procedures manual was published the phone number was 312-744-5594 and it still belonged to Joe P Mayo in 1994 slash or in like in uh, may of 1994 an unidentified woman was killed and later found in an alley which some people suspect might have been Joanna Lopez 
In 2009, the original Joanna Lopez sign-off from 1989 was uploaded to the website of the Museum of Classic Chicago Television. In 2012, YouTube user Dat Commercial uploaded the 1991 sign-off on his channel. In 2015, the Museum of Classic Chicago Television re-uploaded the sign-off from 1989 on their YouTube page. And in 2020 and 2021, the mystery really began getting attention. Reddit Can you posts, still find it on YouTube? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Reddit posts, videos by Blame It On Jorge and Nexpo. Uh, it was posted on defrosting cold, ca- cold cases. So in 2020, 2021 is when this really went out there and became like a big mystery. So was she found? That same user, Reddit user, Bubblegum Trad, somebody on Reddit writes, quote, Bubblegum Trad just contacted me on the Discord. They just got off the phone with a Joanna Lopez from Chicago who ran away from home in 1989. They said it could be her, and she said that she will get back in touch soon. We will not be disclosing how we got the number out of the safety and protection of the people involved. But I have verified the information with Bubblegum Trad. They're being honest. Now we just need to see if Joanna will come through and call back. We're giving her one week to call us back, then we will text her and try to figure out what's going on. So if there aren't any immediate updates, we apologize. And then edit. Okay, it's been three months and obviously we can't get a hold of her. We've got a pretty satisfying theory as to how this whole incident has gone down, and I can pretty safely say that she was Joanna and she is safe. Please do not harass her or anyone involved in the case. I get that this is frustrating and we will likely never 100% know what happened. This doesn't mean it's worth bothering someone. I don't want this investigation to be remembered as being handled poorly, so let's all do the right thing. Edit number two. It's been one year now, and I see people still comment on this post time to time. No, we never got any word back from her, nor will we be contacting her again. The other moderator and I have agreed that any more contact would just be harassment. Since we've gotten some closure and enough evidence that she's been found and perhaps never went missing long enough for a report to be filed, there's not much else to do. Thanks to everyone who still checks out this investigation. Hmm. And there is a subreddit for Joanna Lopez that's still very active. And these people are like digging through old files. Like, And like I said, somebody had a picture from outside a Chicago house and they think that the the window in the upstairs looks like the window that's behind Joanna Lopez. In How the many really houses probably picture. have that window? Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> but people like people wish that whoever this person was, they contacted, got back in touch with them to find out if she was legitimately the Joanna Lopez. But she never did. But they seem to really believe that that was her. That she ran away and she came back a couple months later, and that's why nothing was ever really done about it. Hmm. So what do you think? What do you think? The thing is that a lot of today's youth are big into analog horror. Hmm. And analog horror, I can't remember if it's called Channel 57 or something like that. Like analog horror is when people make creepypastas with like videos that are supposedly from the 80s when TV stations signed off at night and they still Mm. all have, like, that bad VCR, like, crackling on the screen and stuff. Like, kids today are obsessed with that being creepy Mm. because they don't... They didn't live during that time. For me, that wasn't creepy. Like, when when TV stations signed off for the night, that wasn't creepy. But for a lot of the young kids today, they're big into making analog horror where Mm. that is part of it. And I kind of think that's what this is, is that... It's this creepy old broadcast 
and it has this horrible picture that is just weird. Like, it's like, if, like, why is there nothing else there? Right. You know, and people were like, why was it kept on all night when they found the Trisha one, which shows that it was sometimes kept on all night. Mm -hmm. And Trisha was actually, you know, abducted and Mm -hmm. disappeared. So Joanna Lopez, I'm 100% convinced was a real person that disappeared. Yeah. But that's all I know. I think the reason she was never found is because that picture is so horrible. Like <laughs> it is. Well, so people said there's something creepy, like. and the thing is, like people are kind of laughing because people are using AI now to go in and Try to edit it. that and enhance that photo. There's but depending there depending enhance. on how they do it, like one person can do it, and she looks like a ten year old girl. And somebody else can do it, and she looks like she's in her mid-40s. Mm-hmm. So it's like you don't really know. Yeah. But the fact that it was the juvenile division leads me to think that she was like a very young 10, so 11, weird. I don't 12. get that from that photo. Yeah. Even though you can't see any features no, no. besides but, but like I think, cheekbones and I think that's glasses. what makes it creepy is that you yeah. can't really see any defining features yeah and it's like yeah. why put that they could not have gotten a better picture right. there has that. to be a better picture you know but then again like remember what time like it was the 80s people said they probably got something sent to them that they faxed mm. 10 times and that was the picture that they had was this picture that was fact or photocopied grainy. that was photocopied 10 different times mm-hmm. and it's grainy and horrible and i think that's where a lot of the creepiness comes from but then a lot of it too was people trying to figure out what the story is with this girl why why there is nothing about her right because if you're going to go through the effort of putting someone's picture on this broadcast to help find her you'd think they would give information about her yeah. to help you find yeah. her It's like they didn't do anything to help you actually identify who this person was or find her. No. That's odd. No, that is odd. It's like not even a last known where she was last seen. Right. Like there's nothing. And uh, like I said, when the Trisha one came out. And how much longer after did the Trisha one come out? The Trisha one, I believed... It was around the same time, Mm. even though Trisha had disappeared in 1982. Assuming there was a much better photo. Oh, there is. Mm. There's like like if you look... I wish I had. I'll send it to you like after we stop recording. Okay. But the Trisha picture is much better. You can totally see her. Mm. But the fact that they did keep missing children's posters up all night yeah. kind of makes there's no creepiness involved. There was no it wasn't a test. It wasn't a broadcast right. intrusion. I mean it's it was odd, but it, I it feel like odd. she was a person. Yeah, I feel like she was a person too. And the mystery now is just whether or not that's really her that they talked to. Mm-hmm. Right. But if she did run away and they got her back within a month or two that would have been in the story. So mm-hmm. that's why there's maybe nothing out there. I just don't think there's anything really nefarious, nefarious. about but it. I hope that they found her. Yeah. I hope that the Joanna Lopez they talked to was really her. Mm-hmm. But that's what I got. But people are like fascinated. And like I said, I that, see why. that subreddit is just like, if I disappear, I want those people like looking for me because <laughs> they're going back. Relentless. All these, yeah. They're like yeah. relentless. But uh, yeah, I go to that Chicago I think it's fuzzy memories. I think I go there a lot because there's like old Mr. Rogers stuff. Mm. And the thing is when somebody finds that they have a recording of something from the eighties off that channel, they'll post it on there, you know? So I just think it's really cool. So there you go. There is the story of Joanna Lopez. Cool. The last one we got was just suggested to us like a, two weeks ago and I don't remember who it was but it is the Stardust Ranch. Oh yeah, I remember. Which I had never heard of before. It was like in a comment on yeah. the listener story. Yeah. I had never heard of the Stardust Ranch. No, I hadn't either. Uh, 
it was featured on Ghost Adventures, but I could not find a <laughs> copy Adventures. of that to watch. Okay. Uh, so it was on Ghost Adventures, and that's where a lot of this comes from. But sadly, I could not watch that episode of Ghost Adventures. Just because you couldn't stomach it or you couldn't find it? <laughs> no, because it was probably on some premium site that I don't have. Oh, I sure. could have called Zach. I could have been like, hey, Zach, Skirt, what's up? <laughs> um, from what people, well, I'll save it for the end. But yeah, it was on Ghost Adventures. But when you search Stardust Ranch, almost everything you're going to find now is from the fact that they were trying to sell it. Okay. So here is Stardust Ranch. On June 1st, 1996, John and Joyce Edmonds purchased a ranch in Rainbow Valley, Arizona. Most of what I'm going to be talking about comes from a 12news.com article called, quote, Arizona Man, I'm selling my ranch after aliens tried to abduct my wife. An Arizona Central article called Alien Ranch, West of Phoenix can be yours for $5 million. Um, an oddity Central Arizona website that says quote ranch owner tired of fighting off aliens puts it up for sale <laughs> and an inside hook.com article from november 6 2017 called quote we talked to the guy selling an alien ranch in arizona with five bedrooms four baths and nearly 3,500 square feet of living space you guys should look into buying this place sure yeah you and jim could only for five million yeah Huh. You got that laying around. Sure. We might have to hit hit listeners up for a little more. A little bit. But, but, Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah. Four baths, nearly 3,500 square feet of living space, a 9.67 acre ranch property just about an hour west of Phoenix has everything you could ever ask for in an Arizona home. A pool, lots of acreage, a gated entry for privacy, and a possible portal to another universe. Well, sure. <laughs> The current owners purchased the property 20 years ago to run a horse rescue, the property listing reads. Over the years, they have experienced a series of strange events that continue to this day. <coughs> John Edmonds, owner of the Stardust Ranch in Rainbow Valley, has documented the aftermath of certain strange events he has experienced in photos on his Facebook page. Edmonds says, quote, almost immediately from the day we moved in, we began to have strange experiences. The Edmonds arrived at their new home to find that the previous owner's appliances were still there with no signs of being moved out. John called the realtor who told him to take his wife and then head out for a movie and he would take, no, it was a she. John called the realtor who told him to take his wife and just go to a movie and she would take care of it. By the time you come back, they'll be gone, she told him. After the, re after the movie, they returned home and the appliances were gone. Then, shortly after, they found all the appliances piled up in the swimming pool. Oh, seriously? <laughs> yeah. I thought that was strange, John said. You think? This is a 10-foot deep pool, and their stuff was piled so high that it came out eight feet above the water. <laughs> like, the realtor did this? I don't know. I don't know. I'd never, this nothing, makes no sense. Nothing ever really <laughs> said like how all their appliances ended up in the swimming pool. You know, I was trying to find more about that, but I couldn't. Maybe it was in the ghost adventures. That's very weird. Uh, the smell of that soda when you yeah. lift it up is off-putting. Just watching you drink it grossed me out a little bit. <laughs> but the pool situation was just the beginning of the strange happenings around Stardust. Three days later, after Joyce had left for work, John saw an old man wandering up his driveway waving a machete in the air. John said, okay. quote... <laughs> John said, quote, 
He said that? <laughs> no, I said that. John said, quote, it's the middle of nowhere, so I had bought a 357 Highway Patrol special, which I tucked into my pants so he could see it, and I went out to talk to him. The old man with the machete told John that he lived in the back house and was employed by the previous owner to, quote, kill the monsters. Oh, sure. John said they didn't need any monsters killed, so the old man grabbed his things and left. When we asked John why he didn't notice the old man's things, he said he just never thought to go to that part of the property, not even during the inspection. Soon after, they started seeing orange orbs in the sky about 100 feet above where the corral would be built. I thought that was weird, said John, but he didn't leave. Then came the greys, a.k.a. the aliens. John said, quote, They come at any time, day or night, and always in threes. A real negative energy that always spells trouble. So I adopted a policy of fighting them, and I bought a samurai sword. In one particular photo, a samurai sword lays in a pool of what appears to be dried blood. Yeah. The blood allegedly belonging to... Is it a pool if it's dried? That's a good point. That's a good question. <laughs> Go the on. Blood, the, the blood allegedly belonging to an alien he says he killed on March 13th, 2017. In his own comment on his Facebook photo, Edmonds claims that he had slain well over a dozen extraterrestrials on his property. The bodies apparently disappear after their cosmic death, so any potential new owner won't have to worry about an alien graveyard. Edmonds claimed that unless you, quote, cut the head off and disconnect the antenna, so to speak, the creatures instantly phone home and their bodies disappear. John said, quote, even with a razor-sharp samurai sword, it's nearly impossible to decapitate them with one swing. But in another post, when asked where the alien's body was, John said, quote, I didn't want any evidence. I wasn't trying to prove anything. Killing anything these days can be legally bad for you, and I didn't want to test the laws. So right there, he's giving conflicting yeah. statements saying that, A, the bodies just disappear after you cut the head mm -hmm. off or kill them. And the other one is that he hid the bodies because he didn't want the pictures on Facebook. I got to send you this other picture. Talk while I send it. Feels like a tall tale to me. Yeah. And, and I feel I, like, are aliens that easy to kill? I don't. They just hang, stand there and this let you picture, decapitate them? This picture showed up in a bunch of articles about it. So I don't know if this is a legit picture, okay. but it did show up in a bunch of articles about Stardust Ranch. This is supposedly one of the aliens he got a picture of. Oh. But this showed up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it looks like an alien. <laughs> it looks like somebody It also holding, looks like an emu or something. It looks like something. somebody holding something up in front of the yeah. camera. Yeah. But I don't emu. know if that's one of his photos, but that showed up in a bunch of articles. A bug that got too close to the camera? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Owner John Edmonds told the Phoenix news station KPNX that one time, quote, the aliens actually levitated his wife out of her bed into the master chamber and carried her out into the driveway and tried to pull her up into the craft. There was a cone of light. It came down and she started to rise into that cone of light. Of this, John said, quote, I grabbed an AK-47 with a double banana clip in it and I went outside and I opened up on the craft. Oh, he's got quite the arsenal. <laughs> he does. So yeah, he's he's shooting shooting UFOs with an AK-47. Wild Wild West. He's fighting, you know, he's fighting off aliens like uh, the Bride and Kill Bill when she's fighting the crazy sure. 88, slicing heads off left and right. Uh huh. Uh, John Edmonds also said that three men in black came to his ranch walking right through the locked gate. He said that they were pasty white like they had never spent a minute in the sun and dressed in the now famous black suit, black sunglasses, and black hat. He claims that they told him to keep quiet about his story or else. 
Edmonds explained why he and his wife have stayed put in the house for so long, despite all the unwanted intrusions. He says, quote, I am extremely stubborn, both logically and rationally. I have a lot of time and money invested in this property and many animals housed here. The Edmonds family believes that there is a portal on the property which links them to another universe in which the greys travel from. Another one of their theories is that a spaceship or UFO was buried beneath the property, which was built in 1977. This is so Skinwalker Ranch. It's, it is, but... It's Are there like, any animal mutilations happening? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, there were, there were uh, cows mutilated. Of course. Too. Okay. Uh, Edmund says that the aliens pop up at random times, sometimes in groups, but they're always there to do just one thing, attack him. Mr. Edmonds isn't the only target of the greys. 53-year-old Joyce says that the mischievous creatures have even sexually molested her in her bedroom. John produced a report from 2009, 2009 when he had managed to retrieve a tissue sample from his sword and sent it to biophysicist Dr. William Levengood. And then whoever wrote this writes in parentheses, quote, Google tells me that he was also the doctor who investigated crop circles and there is some debate over his authenticity. Mm. The doctor stated that John had a, quote, smoking gun of proof of alien life on Earth. An analysis showed that the sample was a combination of animal and plant and was unlike any other known cell structure. Uh, there And on his website, what time are we looking at? Uh, an hour and 31 minutes. Okay. On his website, there's a, you know, he talks about the report he got back from Dr. Levengood and Levengood says the tissue samples appears to be pure hemoglobin like that found at the cattle mutilation sites with what appears to be segment rods in the blood. I've never seen anything like it. It looks like segmented grass, except it's not grass. Hmm. Uh, Numerous samples have been collected under correct forensic technique by several skilled investigators and were sent to independent labs of high regard. All came back with the same result that the proteins in the samples could not be identified as anything they had seen before, whether plant or human. One lab did add that the samples sent to them did match the samples they have tested over the last 30 years of fluid specimens collected from various cattle mutilations across the southwestern U.S., they believe that there is 100% com compatibility that the two are from the same creatures. One scientist was said to be extremely elated by this discovery. Uh, the important significance of these fluid matches that the important significance of these fluid matching is that according to W.C. Levengood, the fact that they matched so well was proof that indeed they were both extraterrestrials, as the samples match nothing known. Robert Bigelow, and he's one of the guys investigating Skinwalker Ranch. Mm. Robert Bigelow and his agency spent close to a month studying the ranch and the events here, and my wife and I under extensive interviewing, videotaping, and analysis by ex-FBI and CIA investigators. Everyone involved has had a consensus that the events here are real, accurate in nature, and have not been publicly released due to my desire to avoid a deluge of publicity, which will neither further the investigation nor heighten the hard science approach to unexplained phenomena. I mean, he's making a lot of claims about authenticity yes. and the CIA and yeah. FBI, but it's him making these yes. statements. Yes, like almost everything comes directly from comes him. Comes directly from him. Okay. And then he writes, "Let me be absolutely clear for the record on the samples of alien DNA collected from our ranch in regards to the death of a gray I killed in self-defense after repeated home invasions by similar creatures over a period of years." The assaults by these creatures were responded to in the most violent behavior I could respond with because of weekly and sometimes daily confrontations during which our home, 
ranch, horses, and dogs were destroyed or killed. Our bedroom, as well as our own bodies, were assaulted, leaving bleeding holes from syringe-like wounds. (laughs) (laughs) Your lights just flickered. It did. Large bruises on both myself and my wife's inner thigh, lower stomach, and upper shoulder areas has occurred on many occasions. As a result, my wife and I have both contacted diseases. My wife has a thyroid condition, and Con- I have type contracted 2. Contracted diseases? Did I say that? Yeah, you said contacted. Oh, contracted diseases. <laughs> my wife has a thyroid condition, and I have type 2 diabetes. Neither of us have a personal history nor a family history of these diseases. The events coincide with the onset of these diseases. Is it related? We believe it could be, as we have no other contributing behavior. I need a- to know what his diet and lifestyle looks yeah, like. Yeah, we are not drinkers, people who use drugs. We watch our diets closely, and we are both very physically active hmm. um it's just so outlandish it is it just is. like skinwalker ranch it's so it's just so much it is uh daryl sims and i had had several phone conversations after he was recommended to me and he and ron rager visited our ranch for nearly a week last summer uh During that time, Daryl collected numerous dried residue samples from the same area left behind after the numerous violent encounters I've had with the greys in our master bedroom, master bathroom, halls, and walls. Please understand the fluids left behind are clear in nature and slightly oily. They are easy to see on a surface like a glass door, a white drywall-type wall, but very difficult to see against exposed brick. Daryl used a special light and was able to detect many stains left behind that are apparently impossible to detect only using the naked eye. He has recently stated to me that he has made he has made preliminary analysis, but to complete the study, it will require expensive lab analysis that may exceed twelve thousand dollars in costs. I suggest he appear with me on coast to coast and report his findings, and we could request a fund to be established so that interested contributors contributors could fund the research through PayPal contributions set up for that express purpose. The request was declined. Coast to coast contacted me, and I referred them to Daryl. I have no understanding of why he has declined this interview. He's been on Coast to Coast. He talked Mm. to George Norrie or whatever on Coast Mm -hmm. to Coast, but for some reason he didn't want to do this follow-up interview with him. And also from the site, John writes, quote, I have heard and seen things moving around on our enclosed sunroom. The west wall contains four large windows. The speed generated by their movement, three critters, at once made the glass and the double-pane windows actually buzz and misalign in the frames to the point the windows are now very difficult to close and lock properly without using a screwdriver to realign them in the frame first. I believe the high-frequency buzz is a side effect of their partial in-phase or out-of-phase interdimensional travel. So that's aliens' interdimensional travel is causing his windows to buzz. Sure. In a safe situation, critters transcend cleanly from one dimension to another. In what they perceive as risky circumstances, they only partially materialize to a point of just crossing the dimensional physical threshold. The buzzing occurs at a quantum level as they are partially in both dimensions at the same time. If they are suddenly startled, they pull back out of phase into their own dimension. If they feel safe, then they come through completely into this dimension and the buzzing stops. This is the perfect opportunity to visibly physically grab one of them and hold on as hard as possible because they will try to bug out again immediately. I have seen this time and time again, even after mortally wounding them with a samurai sword. Pierced by the sword with six inches of cold steel perforating the body cavity and seemingly lifeless, the gray alien still managed to disappear before I could withdraw the weapon and chop off the head. 
My intention in removing the head was to see if this would prevent it from disappearing. It is my hypothesis that the head controls the ability to control the dimensional transference between one place and another. I had hoped to interrupt the process by diminishing the body integrity. John Edmonds. So there you go. It's worth noting that the Palo Verde nuclear power plant is within 40 miles of the ranch, and research does suggest a link between nuclear plants and extraterrestrial activity. Hmm. Uh, on the property are two portals that John Edmonds believe lead to another dimension and through which aliens travel. One is located in the back of the property, and the other is in the living room fireplace. Sure. So there. Ooh, like Harry Potter? Apparently. <laughs> uh, so there's two theories. Theory number one, it's legit. Sure. I have really nothing. <laughs> I don't know if it was on Ghost Adventures or somewhere else, but supposedly a journalist that was skeptical stayed overnight at the ranch and stuff happened, but I could not find where this was. And I listened to a couple podcasts about this. So I'd be curious to know what kind of quote unquote activity Ghost Adventures got, because there doesn't sound like any of this no, is haunting. No, but the thing is... It's all alien. The thing is, and some people on Reddit that did watch the episode said that they could almost sense that Zach wasn't really buying it. Mm. And when Zach's not buying something, you know, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be so holding. <laughs> you know, they just said it was like a really weird episode. Mm. I want to see it. Uh, I kind of do too now. Just because there's no there's no talk of any sort of haunting happening yeah. there. It's all extraterrestrial. So yeah. to me, it'd be really funny if they went and were getting EVPs and like having classic haunting stuff. Yeah. Like that would just be like all fake if you ask me. Yeah. But as, as to what I have underneath, it's legit. I don't know. Like the, the photos don't really do much for me. It's nope. creepy to think that whatever was killed, I mean, that is blood on the patio. And it looks like something was killed where the samurai sword is a lot is of farm animals. But is an alien going to have human blood? That's That seemed a little weird to me. I feel like the stark difference, we have another stark difference, between <laughs> Stardust Ranch and Skinwalker Ranch. Oh, there, there's like, yeah. Is that so many people have accounts from Skinwalker yes, Ranch. Yes, and the, the TV show has stuff, you know, yeah. shows. This like is just Skin, one Skinwalker guy. Ranch, I totally buy that something, something is going, going on, on there. there. Yeah. Stardust Legitimate Ranch, almost everything... Is his yes, and we're gonna get it. We're gonna get into some sketchy stuff here in a little bit. But as far as underneath, it's legit. I have just a blank space. What is he? I want to know what does he have to gain from any any of it though? Uh, Jacking up the price of his ranch. So the selling price. That's has he written any books or? Yeah, there is a book written about it, but I didn't get a chance to read it yet. Uh, Like I said, when so he made money. Possibly when you look it up, almost everything that shows up is our, our articles about him selling. This ranch, and I have at the very end, but I'll just say it now. He died February 27th, 2022. Oh, wow. And the ranch was bought, but there's been no word on any activity since it was bought. But John has It'd be died. interesting if the new <clears throat> owners are like, yeah, there's nothing going on here. <laughs> Basically, yeah. It sounds to me like a like an off-brand uh, Skinwalker, Skinwalker Ranch, ranch yeah. where everything's coming from him. So theories, it's legit. I got nothing. You know, there's just not enough. The alien picture doesn't really sway me. No. Like, I could do a better one. Yeah. I think uh, the sword laying in the blood thing is disturbing. I don't think it's proof that he, you know. but it's just one of his animals. It's just goofy that he's firing AK-47s at UFOs that are... Decapitating aliens with a samurai sword. (laughs) Yeah. He's an ex-CIA agent, I guess. So, I mean, it could be disinformation. I think so. It could be in disinformation or it could be him just wanting to be 
James Bond. So there's something else going on there that he's creating disinformation? Well, I don't know, but we're going to get to some sketchy okay. stuff here. Theory number two, it's not legit. George Knapp, <laughs> uh, George Knapp from Coast to Coast had a word to say about the Stardust Ranch in his recent interview with Linda Howe and John Burroughs on Phenomenon Radio. Linda asked George if NIDS, NIDS is the group that's investigating Skinwalker Ranch, okay. had investigated any other anomalous sites besides the very well-known Skinwalker Ranch. George replied that, yes, teams had been to Stardust Ranch multiple times and failed to find a thing, dismissing it as a hoax, calling it, quote, a bunch of baloney. Hmm. So so George Knapp doesn't really, mm-hmm. he's not buying the Stardust Ranch stuff. Maybe that's why he didn't go on the Coast to Coast show again. Yeah. Someone called him out on his BS. And this is one of the uh, podcasts I listened to, and I was like listening to it. I was like, should we even talk about this? But we're going to talk about it. Uh, this comes from the website ufoinsight.com. It says, quote, And after speaking publicly about their encounters, the Edmonds were soon the focus of various newspaper stories and even television programs. And this was, at least to some, a little eyebrow-raising and certainly cast doubt on the credibility of their accounts. While While most people speculated the couple was making such claims for attention or that they could both be mentally unwell, others had an altogether darker theory. And this unbelievable podcast is one I listened to, so I listened to this before I even found this reference to it. In their podcast called Unbelievable, hosts Brian Frange and Phoebe Tyler's discussed the claims surrounding Stardust Ranch and would point to the fact that Joyce's claims of these alien interactions often revolved around sexual assault. Mm-hmm. At one that. point during the podcast, Frange asked if it was possible that, quote, John Edmonds was abusing his wife in her sleep and blaming it on the aliens, adding that, quote, it might not even be that he just cooked up a story about aliens to cover up the fact that he's beating his wife. There's a distinct possibility that he honestly believes aliens are abducting his wife and causing the bruises because subconsciously he needs to create a defense mechanism to allow to him to view himself as a good person. Frange would continue that he doesn't believe that Edmonds was lying and he thought that he was telling the truth as far as he thinks it, but that the real truth might be something else. It's worth noting that John Edmonds rejected the suggestion that he was behind his wife's injuries in any way or that he had subconsciously invented a cover story to mask his alleged actions. I mean, this is just people speculating. There's no but they proof talk, that any of that's They true. talked on there a lot that on that uh, unbelievable podcast. They talked about how they watched interviews and she would start talking and he would quickly talk for her. Mm. Like they they felt like his wife wasn't really buying the stuff mm-hmm. but he was making her go, along, s- go with along with it and one of the things they brought up <coughs> was uh that he said that his wife told him if she's ever being abducted he would rather he shoots and kills her than her being abducted and they thought that was odd almost like this is all a way to cover if he accidentally mm-hmm. killed his wife during abuse like this got dark when they were talking about this. It got dark that there's a like they feel like there was something dark going on with mm. this whole situation that it wasn't necessarily aliens. That makes me uneasy just because no, there's no proof of any of that, and they're putting that out there, yeah. basically accusing this guy of abusing his wife when they have no proof. Exactly. Of that. Like that's exactly. dangerous. That's very dangerous, and I'm surprised they didn't get sued for that. Yeah. I you know. know. 
but they they talked about that. And I don't know that I buy that. <laughs> I don't. I I'm hoping that's not the case. No. But um, it's just like I don't. I got. What do you think? I mean, I don't think. I feel like this. It, it feels like a hoax to me. I don't know. I don't see any real proof. A of, hoax or a delusion that could be. Yeah, it could be a little bit of both. You know, but his his wife never contradicted what he was saying. Mm-hmm. But it was. They said it was like she was just going along with it. Mm-hmm. Like like she didn't really believe it, and he did. And he's just making himself out to be like the hero with the sword and the. You know, like I, it's I, all just so outlandish. It is, and then part of the some of the people believe it's disinformation by the CIA to draw attention from away from from Something Skinwalker else? Ranch. Oh, like I don't know. That's weird. Like there was a lot of weird mm-hmm. stuff, but all of it comes from him. It just feels like attention seeking to it me. It does in and some way, uh, shape, or form. People suggested jacking up the price of the ranch. Mm-hmm. You know, people did suggest the abuse stuff that he's. Un, he's he can't accept the fact how he is with his wife, so he creates his cover story, but he denied that. So I don't know. I just don't buy it. I don't think. No, I, I don't, don't think it's Skinwalker Ranch. No. Skinwalker Ranch, I think, is legitimately There's weird. There's so stuff. much more proof and evidence for Skinwalker yes. Ranch. Uh, Stardust Ranch. I'm just not buying it. No, me either. No. So, right. yeah, so there you go. <laughs> there are our three stories: Dublin, Wisconsin, Joanna Lopez, and Stardust Ranch. Sweet. We're at an hour 47, so we're Ooh, pretty much right on we track. We are pretty much right on time. Um, Do we do song choices first or answer? Answer question. It's a super... We got one question. It's a very easy question to answer. The person writes, Hey guys, love the podcast. I love people's questions that they send you, but I need to ask one of the big ones. Oh. My question is... Are Kurt's lucky underwear still in play? (laughs) Only Kurt can answer that question. I am wearing my lucky podcaster underwear, my lucky podcast underwear right now as we speak. So do you only wear them when we record? Because I don't want, like, I don't want them to get worn out. So the, like, if I'm down to, to no underwear or my lucky podcasting underwear, it's it's no underwear because I can, I only wear. You're going commando. (laughs) <laughs> I only wear my lucky podcasting underwear when I do the podcast. That's fun. And I don't remember why this even became a thing. I don't either. When I, I don't, did you start doing it? Was I wearing it in the first episode? Like, I don't know. I don't remember. But it I became know, a thing. Kurt. Now, it's like a, now it's like a weird superstition with me. And can you describe I, them again? Uh, blue or no. Like Are they plaid? They're, they're, they're plaid. Like green and black plaid. Okay. Green and black plaid. Okay. Yes. I was actually going to post a little close up picture on the strangers and say, any ideas what this is? Like it's, it's, it's green and black plaid. That's but funny. For, for some reason they became my lucky podcast underwear and I am wearing them right now. All right. They only get worn during the podcast. He does wash them in between. Yeah. That would be awkward if i didn't yeah but yes so i still do wear them so thank you for wondering mysterious person <laughs> song picks for this week do you have any song nope. picks i have two and they both involve kids so this is the mr k misses his students edition mm, because yeah. i do miss my kids so the first song i'm just going to say what the songs are at the start like i've mentioned this band before i love them they are classified as Midwest emo, and Midwest emo is like legitimately, Didn't know that was a yeah, thing. it's legitimately a thing. That is a category okay. of music. 
It is the band Tiny Moving Parts, and the song is called Vertebrae. Okay. And I love this song. When I, I got the CD, and I was listening to this song, and everybody that listens to this song and doesn't know it's coming is like blown away because like maybe three-fourths way through the song, he puts his guitar away and switches to a banjo. Okay. And it That's fits unexpected. it fits so good with the song that everybody is like blown away at the banjo part. And the video is just I think the video is just so cute where it's the band performing in like a TV studio, but the four people running the stuff are like middle school age kids. Mm. And the girl is so adorable. The girl that's trying to hold up the boom mic. Mm. And she's like struggling to hold up the boom mic above the band. She's adorable. And it's just a really cute, like one of the kids is drinking coffee right from the the pitcher. So he's like all jacked up on caffeine. And it's just a really cute video. And it's a really, really nice song. It's like a slower song. And some of the YouTube comments for this song are, somebody writes, I'll admit, y'all took me by surprise with the banjo. Awesome song and awesome video. Somebody else writes, I love this video. It was lovely with the kids. And the song is great too. Somebody else writes, my God, I loved you guys before, but this banjo made me love you even more. Somebody else writes, saw them play this live. The crowd went nuts when Dylan bust out the banjo mid-song. Somebody else writes, don't sleep on this band. This is Midwest emo at its absolute finest. So are the bands typically from the Midwest or it's a style of music? I think I think they're from the Midwest, but I also think it's a style okay. of music. But there's, uh, I don't know who does it, but the, every couple weeks they release a new Midwest emo soundtrack where they have like 10 or 12 hmm. Midwest emo songs. <laughs> I've been going on a big binge of listening to Midwest emo, but... Hmm. I love Tiny Moving Parts. They are just, they're a straight up good band. And this is their song, Vertebrae. I will post this in the group. My other one, I've mentioned this these guys before. Uh, it's the O'Keefe Music Foundation. Hmm. I love their version of Tool's song, Sober. And hmm. it's done by like middle school and high school kids. Okay. And it is so good. And what I think the O'Keefe Music Foundation does is if you are like elementary school, middle school, or high school, and you're like really into music, you can go to this foundation and be with other people, but they work together to like cover harder rock songs. Hmm. Like, you know, like um, Tools in there a lot. Uh, like Drowning Pool, Slipknot. Like they hmm. do, okay. and it's so good. I mean, like these kids are so amazingly good. And I go it's to this. Making me think of School of Rock. That's what it's. That's what it's like. Yeah. Like their version of Sober is one that I I had on here. Their version of Tool song Sober I've had on here, and I went back to that. And I'm watching it, and I'm just blown away by how good that is. And like one of the comments on there, you know, the guy says like I am like Tool's biggest fan, but now when I think of Sober, I think of your version hmm. because I just love your version. So this is one of this is one of their videos and I absolutely love this. It is the O'Keefe Music Foundation version of White Zombies More Human Than Human mm. and the girl singing it is an adorable 9-year-old mm. girl and she does such a good like the kids playing the music are just amazing. Like it's amazingly good. I don't think it's like live. I think it's like a little bit of studio studio yeah. work 
but it's so good. And the comments under this one. I'm trying to picture a nine-year-old singing Rob she Zombie. Is so, she is just so freaking <laughs> cute. Uh, and the comments underneath, underneath, it says, quote, I love it. You see her in a little dress with pom-poms in her hair, and this is the last thing you'd expect to hear her singing. Her heavy metal growl slash scream at the end was priceless. Somebody else writes, Never in my life would I imagine a track from Astro Creep 2000 covered by youngsters with a nine-year-old front woman. This made my week. Somebody else writes, and I totally agree with this. Somebody else writes, I'm just blown away by every O'Keefe performance. Thank you for bringing so much joy to us through these talented kids. Without people like you to discover and hone in on these kids' talents, they may never have had the opportunity to grow and showcase them. So honestly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Hmm. Somebody else writes, Yes, the girl is absolutely a bundle of surprise. However, all of these kids are absolutely nailing it. Kudos and bright futures for them all. Uh, Somebody else writes, if I live next door to this, I would march right over there and ask them to please play this louder. And then Mm -hmm. somebody somebody else writes, this absolutely ruined my day. I like to think of myself as a metalhead, but I think I just got out-metaled by an adorable (laughs) nine-year-old girl. That's cute. So that is the O'Keefe Music Foundation version of White Zombies, More Human Than Human. I will post that in the group. Sweet. That's what I got. Cool. Are we done? We're done. Do you like this listener suggestions episodes? I do. Yeah. Like I sometimes they're wonder like if little, They're like mini mysteries. They're like almost. little nuggets. They're like yeah. little hors Small d'oeuvres. bites. Yeah. They're like little hors d'oeuvres. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I got the Joanna Lopez one a bunch of times, but it's like, I felt like there's not enough there. Like mm-hmm. the Stardust Ranch, I don't think there would have been enough there to carry out yeah. a whole episode. Uh, so I just think that- It's a little bit of everything. It's a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. So I, I like L- that. I might little try- charcuterie board A little of, uh... charcuterie board. <laughs> so I might try to do more of these. So if there's anything you guys want us to look into- let me know. We, like you said, we've got a bunch of them, mm-hmm. but they slip through the, the cracks in the sidewalk and we lose. So I got to start like keeping a spreadsheet of who suggested what, mm-hmm. or we get an intern that, you know, maybe they can have the rest of my ketchup soda for their payment. I don't know. Yep. Internships are often paid now. This would be an unpaid internship. <laughs> I just want to be real clear on that. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll have to figure something out, but hopefully this episode was okay. Hopefully you guys liked it. Fascinating stuff. Uh, today Krista's going to Doveland actually to, to get away <laughs> yeah. for a little bit. Yep. Might not come back. Might not come back. Uh, and I think that's all we got. You got the deets? Got the deets. You can email us at thestrangesessions at gmail.com. We're on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now at Strange Session without the I really need S. to get us off of there. Yeah. Krista does a great job on Instagram. Love you Instagram listeners uh, at the Strange Sessions. You can send postcards and snail mail to The Strange Sessions, P.O. Box 434, Mantua, Wisconsin, 54221-0434. You can leave a message at our now lonely phone line. It wasn't lonely during our, no. our you know, we got lots of action, but now it's lonely again. So you can call that at 920-443-9602, or you can send listener stories to The Strange Sessions Stories at gmail.com. Calm. I have two things that I just thought of. Okay. One is a shout out to our YouTube listeners because I think yeah, there are I legitimately people. I know. And I feel bad that I never go to. Right. I think there are people who that is literally the only exposure they have to us. They're not on social media, nothing. So when I posted a video, um, a short two weeks ago, somebody was like, I couldn't figure out why these two random people were being <laughs> in my suggested videos. And then I heard your voices and I gasped and I couldn't <laughs> believe it. So like, I think That's we cool. had four comments, but. 
Now you want you said you wanted to try doing more yeah, videos. Yeah, I do. So I we took a video today that we posted to social, but I'm going to post it to YouTube okay. again. It's just a short. I'd love to before the end of the season post a whole episode as a video on YouTube. I, I just think don't know how that would work. What do you mean? Like we tried that and it just we no, couldn't get the camera to work. So yeah, I got to do some practicing. I I want us to be sitting on the same side of the table. I want to get That'd good be lighting. So weird, not looking at you across the table. Yeah, you're mo- Yeah, we'll figure it out though. Um, okay, the second thing. So yeah, uh, we love you, YouTube people. The second thing was, did you see that that woman who um, had that viral video about some non-existent person being on a plane while she was like freaking out? Yeah, she spoke out finally. Yeah. And she's not saying what actually happened. No, but she's like saying it ruined her life. Yeah. And it's like, well, don't have outbursts like that. Yeah. She's like, she kept, all she really said was that you don't know what's going on in someone's yeah. life. Like she was alluding to the fact that there was actually something else going on and that was the outcome. And it's gotten so blown out of proportion. Of course, she said people are like stalking her now, basically going through her trash, going through her neighbor's trash. I did see something in the article that said she had an argument with a relative about her AirPods AirPods. or something. Yeah. Uh, So it it sounds like it was just like some weird overreaction to something else. That's such a weird thing for her voice. Like I love, she's got like a weird sing-song voice when she's talking and I really like it. Only you heard. I know, I'm I'm an odd duck. I'm glad she finally spoke out. I mean, she didn't really say what happened, but to me there was nothing weird going on there. there's I love no the invisible memes. thing. I love the memes people are yeah, making. Totally. Up where it's they're hilarious. Back and, like somebody's dog is there. Right. Like I said, Grimace. Or there's is a one reptilian. Or there's a reptilian. Yeah, I've there. seen that one. But it's like, and like the guy punching on the window. It's like anytime you do something stupid these days, everybody's got a camera. Yes, yeah, everybody's be a viral got a camera, video. and you're going to end up being a ridiculous meme somewhere. So don't do stupid things in public, mm-hmm. especially on an airplane full of people with their phones. Yeah. Just you a little know, self-control goes a uh, long way. <laughs> I but I didn't like. I didn't want people to dox her and figure out who she was because I knew people were going to make her life hell. Well, so they figured it out real quick. It sucks that that happened. Yeah. But. Uh, Apparently she lives in a very ritzy community, like multi-million dollar home. She's yeah. like a real estate agent or yeah. something like that. A lawyer I don't or, something, or something like that. Real estate lawyer maybe? I something like that. Something a thing that. that I thought was weird is that all this stuff coming out about disclosure about aliens... Yeah. Like, I'm not following that at all. I've watched some of it on YouTube. And it's like, why are you and I not, like, excited about that or looking into that? And it's just, it's weird. It's almost like I'm just ignoring it. And I have no idea why. Like, people, I think, are expecting us to talk about it. Mm -hmm. But it's just, I'm not even paying attention to it. And Uh, I don't understand why. They'll have it live on YouTube. You can watch live. Um, It's people asking these guys questions. It's I don't know. It's interesting. I watched some of it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I'm just like, I know there exists. Yeah. It's not like this isn't surprising to me. What's surprising is that it's finally being talked about. Yeah. Um, I mean, like if you go to the conspiracy subreddit, which is horrible, mm. like people are saying that it's disclosure happening. People are saying it's it's uh, to throw people, it's a psyop to throw people off from whatever the government's mm. going to be doing in the near future and that the government is going to fake an alien invasion so it can oh take over people. And it's just like, ugh, yeah, it's just like all that stuff. I also want to say aliens aren't like my big thing. 
aliens aren't my big thing either like i'm not i'm more if they were talking doing bigfoot yeah. disclosure you know i'd be all over that. yeah yeah but aliens but, are just like i have no experience with aliens yeah. it's interesting i think they exist but it's not, not my really thing into the ufo you know maybe no. if it is happening maybe i gotta go get myself a samurai sword so i can start you chopping know, heads off chopping alien heads off <laughs> But I don't know. I'm just I'm. It weirded me out a little bit that I'm not into it at all. Where I don't even like look at. I'm the a little news into about it, it, but I'm curious, and I'm curious to see what comes out of all of this. But yeah, yeah maybe we I should don't know. talk about it before the season's over. Yeah, you know, have another partial episode about alien stuff. But yeah. I don't know. Hmm. So there you go, another episode of the Strange Sessions in, in the, the books. books. Uh, anything else we got? I don't think so. I keep feeling like I'm forgetting to say something, but I just can't think of what it is. Hmm. We got to slide into the side sessions now, Yep. which could have been a strange sessions. And I got really annoyed about the fact that it was ruined for me by Rolling Stone doing an article about it, but that's all right. I know nothing about it, so. Maybe they have my like computer bugged that they're watching whatever. Oh, I'm, that's I'm definitely happening. Computer, probably. <laughs> um, so I think that's it for this episode. So... From Krista and I down in the strange cellar. I gotta wait for Krista to get done yawning. Sorry. So from Krista and I down in the strange cellar. Until next time, stay stay strange. strange.